0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Refine and Grow with Justin and Lindsay. My name is Lindsay Allen.
1: And my name is Justin Euler. And this is your podcast for proven strategies on navigating and managing work life. So last time we finished off on the topic of proactively managing your calendar and setting aside office hours. I also referenced though this idea of setting aside time for productive work, setting aside time for thinking forward, but also just time to kind of manage the everydayness of our work schedule. And and I would posit a theory. Uh, I think it's one that's pretty well-grounded. It's really not mine, but um, it's certainly something I've experienced that when we're engaged in a meeting, responding to IMs, writing notes in our notebook, unrelated to the meeting at hand, responding to emails as they come in, we're probably really not present and we're probably not very engaged and we're probably not making very good contributions or very good decisions. And therefore we're not really delivering value. And we talked about value a couple sessions ago and the kind of value we probably need to be driving. And I'm, I'm guilty. I, it actually takes an act of the will for me to focus because we live in a world that's so scattershot and demands so much of our attention all of the time. And so to be present in a lot of ways takes discipline, but it's also a gift. So today, as we sit and talk about tips for time management, it's really that ability to prioritize work and successfully maintain balance between personal life and work life. But it's, I think it's also the act of being present and really giving people the best of who you are and, and in that way, acknowledging who they are as human beings. There's nothing worse than being on a call and you're submitting a thought or you're expressing a concern, or you're asking for a really difficult decision to be made, and knowing that your boss is texting, or IMing, because you can hear the clack 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 in the background, or you can hear the distant uh huh. And I'm sure, I'm positive, Lindsay has experienced that for me.
0: From yeah. Time. Oh not you!
1: <laughs> yeah. so, I've
0: experienced it.
1: <laughs> so, so you really need to be to be present. You have to be aware. And to be aware, you really have to, again, really understand how much bandwidth you you actually have. And I guarantee it's a lot less than you think you have. And you have to be clear with folks about how you're going to manage your time, what your expectations are for time management, and, and set boundaries. What a concept, setting boundaries. We don't do that very well, especially in the COVID world when everything has started to bleed together. So a couple a couple tips that, w- that we'll pass on to you. One is allocate, like I said, allocate time on your calendar in which you're going to respond to emails and, and instant messages. Believe it or not, just because it's called an instant message doesn't mean you need to respond instantly. The message will sit there. They will be okay. And really confine your, your correspondence within those hours. If you set the expectation that you're only going to respond within certain hours, guess what? People will actually conform to that expectation. They will honor the expectation that you set. If you don't set the right expectation, don't be surprised when you're getting whiplashed by emails, IMs, and texts at all hours of the day. And, and that speaks really to the second piece. It's, it's not just about blocking your time but it's communicating clearly about what you're working on and what the priority of those work efforts are. Not everything is a number one priority. And really, you can only have really three priorities. There's no such thing as five priorities. There are three things that you can prioritize at any given time, and only one has the top priority. So understand what your priorities are, communicate those, and then really understand what that work effort takes from a time perspective. Your number one priority is likely going to take 60% or greater of your time. Real world example, I lead a change practice of about 15 throughout the US. I also lead the early talent initiative for my company, and that's a new initiative. So we're standing up a program. I'm also head of our employee engagement council. And on top of that, I have uh, other responsibilities outside of work. I'm married, I have a family, and I'm the president of the board for a not-for-profit to which I have a great deal of passion around. And so those are a lot of priorities. Well, I can only have one primary priority. So at work, my priority aligns with my boss's priorities. For my boss, early talent is the number one priority for him right now. Well, I own early talent, so guess what? It's my number one priority. So I clearly I set the conditions and drive ownership of my practice, the day-to-day management of my practice, down to my right-hand person, my practice manager. And he is set up to run most of the day-to-day operations of my practice. I've also distributed decision-making rights on certain components of my practice to those other individuals. And I clearly articulate to them, early talent is my priority because it's Lee's priority. And it's going to take me about 30 hours a week to work on. So that tells you how much time I have left to really directly manage my practice and uh, support the employee engagement council. Just a note on really prioritization, setting expectation, and taking some ownership and and communicating clearly around what those priorities really are.
0: Yeah. I mean, because if you don't align your priorities to that of the manager, the manager is going to expect you to get whatever their top priority is done also. So you're just going to end up doing extra work. So you really have to understand it. If it's unclear, make it clear, go talk to your supervisor and say, I need help prioritizing. And that way, you know, you're getting to everything that the organization really needs and you don't have to have as much stress or doubt or disappointment that you can't unplug. You can't walk away from work because there's just too much going on. As long as you're getting to what's most important, in the moment, you're good because there's always gonna be too much going on. I see a lot of people thinking that they're gonna hit this moment where they're caught up. It doesn't happen. You just keep getting more and more and more. And so you have to kind of get rid of that idea and instead flow with the workflow that comes your way, but just keep it straight on what are the key priorities. And one of the tips we have for time management and the ability to prioritize work and successfully maintain a balance between your personal life and work life is that you have to fully unplug from work. And so Justin was talking about setting the expectations of when you're available. People are hesitant to draw their boundaries to say, I'm only going to reply to emails between the hours of 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. But what they're not realizing is when you're always plugged in, you're non-verbally setting the expectation that you are always available. And then when people act on that non-verbal expectation, you're feeling frustrated, not understanding why they are emailing or IMing you outside of office hours. It's, It's you that set that expectation in the beginning by your behaviors of always being available. I remember a mentor telling me to have just certain hours that I replied to emails, unless sometimes there's, there might be some real emergency. You need to respond outside of typical hours. But for the most part, I remember the mentor was telling me, well, if you always are responding to emails after 6pm, the expectation is that Lindsay Allen is always available to respond to emails after 6am, 6pm. So you better stop doing that. And I thought, well, people aren't, are going to think I'm not a good employee." that I, I take too long. I'm not available. Like I, I'm not thinking about my job constantly like some other people are. And what I learned was that the opposite was true. When I stopped responding to emails in the evening, I stopped getting them slowly over time. People waited. And, and really, it's not that big of a deal if I respond at 10 o'clock at night versus 9 a.m. the next morning. And sometimes when things are really busy, I might be on my laptop working after hours, but that doesn't mean I need to send a communication because then I'm collaborating corresponding. But if I've got a huge busy season, I can draft my emails and save them and send them during working hours. And I would think that maybe when I was done with work, okay, I won't email, but I'm still plugged in because I'm thinking about solutions or planning my day for the next day. And what I thought I was doing was being proactive and trying to use some of my personal downtime to plan for work. But what I learned was because I had been thinking about it and never unplugged, I was more exhausted, overwhelmed, and less able to articulate myself really well. I wasn't as clear-minded. When I unplug from work, and that means that I... I say, okay, I'm checked out for the day. If I start to reflect on what happened during that day or what I've got going on, I've noticed that if I tell myself, you checked out, we're not having those thoughts right now. So think about something else. When I get to the next day, it's like you think that maybe you'll be less prepared, but in all actuality, you're more prepared because you're more clear-minded because of that time where you fully unplugged and checked out. And then when you come back to work it's like i can think clearly about it. it it's the way to really be most effective is to not think about it all of the time
1: yeah yeah i would i would say you know when we work out a key component of working out is rest when you lift weights or maybe you work trx straps or kettlebells or you go to orange theory or any number of things you do a key component that most personal training coaches, any training coach will tell you is you, you've got to rest. You've got to rest the muscles. And that's actually when the, the working out tears the muscles. It's the resting that allows the blood and the nutrients to flow back to those muscles, repair the damaged tissue, and actually you get stronger. The Same thing uh, is true with the mind. The mind needs rest. The mind thrives off of rest and rest comes from the ability to unplug. And we stop responding and we start reacting when we're tired and we're worn out. There's a reason that a lack of sleep affects our brains cognitively, uh, very similarly to if we've had alcohol and maybe have drunk alcohol to the point where we're over the legal limit, our cognitive abilities are impaired, our ability to make decisions, to think clearly, to articulate our thoughts, to make rational decisions. We start responding when we don't have rest, when our mind doesn't have rest and our body doesn't have rest. We start responding out of the amygdala and the amygdala is fight, flight, or freeze. And too often I've seen colleagues who are really reacting or certain companies that I've worked with where people are It's almost like they're persistently running from a perceived threat. Um, Mm -hmm. Hyper aware, super exhausted, not thinking clearly, not making good decisions, incredibly emotional and not that emotions are bad, but making decisions purely out of emotion. You got to rest, you got to recover. And so um, you've got to be able to shut down, shut off so that you can be an effective employee, an effective leader, and an effective contributor.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Then... In building your reputation in an organization, which a a lot of the episodes that we have in this first season and the tips and tricks that we share, they all go back to building really a a very strong, reputable brand for yourself. And so you've got to be at your best. You've got to make sure that, that your mind is sharp and you're really, like Justin said, you're overusing that muscle and not allowing it to rest, and it shines through for people. It's clear when when people are overwhelmed and unable to get to everything, and then you end up working more. So if you've got eight hours of time at work where you're really present, you're on top of things, you're feeling well-rested, you're clear-minded, that is the equivalent of maybe 24 hours of nonstop working and not having that time where you've unplugged and yeah. been able to rest the muscle.
1: Yeah. Well, and that really goes to, you know, I think a lot of people go, well, that's great, Justin. Fantastic, Lindsay. Good for you. Believe me. <laughs> but but it's, I can't. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, I've got a boss who's demanding. I've got deadlines that are driving. Again, I go back to prioritization. I go back to calendar management. I go back to time management. I go back to clearly articulating your priorities and what time commitments there are. And I think that gets to where we talk about knowing when and where and how to push back. And part of that pushback, I think, doesn't have, that sounds reactive, right? We think of pushing back as pushing against a force that's coming against you. And there's some truth to that. But I think if you set your priorities, if you've managed your time well, you set your priorities, you've communicated clearly with your boss, you understand what's important to him or her, and you've aligned those priorities. And then you've clearly articulated what you're working on and how much time it's taking to work on it the pushing back really gets easy because then the pushing back starts to look like, okay, boss, I'm working on A, B, and C, all fully aligned with what you want me to be working on in the right priority that you want me to be working on it. So if you want me to work on X, you're going to have to tell me from A, B, and C is going to go away. And that's not just true for your boss. That's true for your client. So clearly knowing, again, this, this stuff builds, right? It's like math, it builds. Yeah. On itself. So if you know where the value is being driven, you're aligning your priorities to where that value needs to be driven. You're aligned with your boss. You're managing your calendar. You're managing your time. You're setting your priorities. You're clear on all of that. Then it becomes a really easy conversation to push back and you're not going to have a lot of argument. Then the boss actually has the data to go. Hmm. That's a good point. Well, you know, for you know, X is now becoming the new hot thing. So A, A is going to slip to B and C is going to slip out of the prioritization. We'll circle back around to that. X is now A, if hopefully you followed that. X is now A, right? So now what you've done is you've had a proactive conversation, not a reactive conversation. You're not pushing against an immovable force. You're having a dialogue and your manager now can work with you as a partner To think through how or whether you take on more or how you reshuffle your priorities to ensure that you guys are aligned and the right work is being done and the right value is being driven. And I think if you have those conversations then you really avoid manager frustration, it's when you're not clear that your boss is going to get frustrated. And that's when you're going to find yourself reacting a lot more and having to tune and adjust your approach. Again, not to beat a dead horse, but go back to what we've been talking about for the last couple of episodes, you apply those forward, this conversation becomes less about pushing back and it becomes a constructive dialogue with your boss about how to adjust your existing priorities, deprioritizing one thing, adding another, maintaining that balance. Mm -hmm. It all sounds very Zen, but I'm telling you it's absolutely possible, but you have to be proactive and you have to own your work life.
0: Yeah. And I think it's an expectation of a supervisor, a people manager, that they are there to help you prioritize. That's part of their role and it's part of your managing up. So it, it makes sense for you to go to them as the person who can help identify how to better manage your time and make sure that your priorities are correct. You know, the other aspect of knowing how to push back is don't be afraid to say no. I hear a lot of people talk about this idea of you never say no, or I don't know, you You always say yes, or I'll find out. Actually, it's completely okay to say no in an organization. I've had a mentor tell me it's actually better to say no than it is to say yes and not follow through. And if you are a yes person, always saying yes to everything thrown your way, more than likely, you're not going to be able to follow through. You're going to either say yes to so many things that it's impossible to follow through on all of them to physically for you to get to all of them, or you're going to say yes and then not do a great job because you don't have the time to do a good job on what it is you said yes to. And then that starts to affect your reputation and how you're seen both by the boss and stakeholders and colleagues everyone. So it's really important when you are at your maximum bandwidth to be able to say that isn't something I can get to unless we take something else off my plate, like Justin was saying. And sometimes people get asks from a lot of different places. It might not directly be your boss, but a colleague of your boss or even maybe somebody, if you work for a really large organization that is a part of a a different group, but is an executive over in that group and needs a contact in your group to work with on something. And those are the types of things where it's better to say, no, than to say yes and not follow through advice works well, because those are the opportunities you have to, if, if you've got a full to-do list from your current supervisor and other people are asking for your help, you can say, I can't take this on right now. It might be something that I can help in the future, or you can offer up someone else, or you can say, I'll check in with my, whoever the boss is, whoever the decision maker is and see what I can do. But I found that it's perfectly Accepted by a lot of people when I say, I'm so sorry, I don't have bandwidth to do that right now. People accept that, they get that.
1: Yeah, I think you sometimes you're gonna have to justify why, right? You're gonna well, have yeah. to explain, right? Um, but yeah, I totally agree with you. I think it also goes back to I, I would also caution start with I hear that this is a priority, you have me working on X, Y, and Z. Um, I think, I think in order to achieve these things, I, I need to pass on this or something to that effect. But yeah, I totally agree. You, you say yes, and then you can't commit. It's a way worse look than saying, I think I need to pass on that. It actually, I think, takes some emotional maturity. I think some professional maturity. And frankly, it shows that you're not necessarily living in fear of perception or what your boss is thinking about you, that you're comfortable enough to say no, you're comfortable enough to set boundaries. We're living in a world that less and less boundaries exist on all aspects of our life. And sometimes it's viewed as selfish to set boundaries. But I will tell you again, enlightened self-interest, uh, take care of yourself, take care of your work. And in a way you're taking care of your boss. Sometimes when you say no, and they may not always see it that way, but if they're, if they're a good leader, not just a good manager, but a good leader, they're going to, they're going to listen and they're going to appreciate it.
0: Right. Yeah. I agree. And that is probably the hardest aspect of time management is setting the boundaries, being being courageous enough to set them and stick to them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And as a reminder, courage does not mean the absence of fear. It's action. Right. It's action in the midst of fear. And there have absolutely been times when I've had fear and trembling telling a wonderful boss, no, but sometimes that's exactly what they need to hear.
0: Yeah. And you know, one of the things that I did, because this was a difficult one for me, time management, because I definitely had this false belief system that the harder you work, the more valuable you are. And one of the things that I did when I started to hear about this was to, again, observe people and be curious about how it worked out for others. So I would find someone who I felt had achieved life, work-life balance, and someone who I felt had not, and just observe. And what I noticed was, the person who achieved work-life balance more times than not was moving up faster in the organization and did have the better reputation. And so the person who was working harder, it's definitely not for lack of caring, but it's that lack of being able to see as clearly because you have not unplugged, mm-hmm. you're unable to say no, you're unable to set those boundaries you know, you're unable to proactively set the expectations and then you become a victim of the circus that's been set up around you.
1: Yeah. And again, you're not resting. You're not resting. Right. It's tough stuff sometimes, uh, taking care of yourself and taking care of your boss. Right. All right. That's all for
0: today. Don't forget to head out to our website to download the tips and tricks worksheet from today's episode, download case studies subscribe to our podcast and newsletter and more
1: and tune in next week for an all new episode thanks for listening